Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Amen. Well, we're going to get straight into the message today, and I'm really excited about what's about to unfold as we get into chapter two of Philippians. We've been on this series called Joy Anyway, as Paul has written this letter to the church in Philippi, the book of Philippians. And uh, it's, a, it's a book that is themed around joy. And we call this series Joy Anyway, because Paul was writing this letter from prison. He was in a situation where probably most people wouldn't be thinking about joy, but Paul chose joy. And he's writing to the church in Phil- uh, the Philippian church. And he's also writing this to us. You'll see today as we get into it, that what we read, Paul could have written it a week ago and sent it to the church in an email. It has such strength and relevance for where we are right now. So if you want to go ahead and grab your Bible, uh, or you can go to the Version Bible app, or if you're online with us um, in the chat room, there's even a feature where you can look up scriptures, look up Bible verses as we get into it. And so that kind of reminds me of another thing. Make sure if you're in our chat rooms, make sure you're in there chatting, you're talking, you're typing amen. If we're in person, I love to have people interacting with me, talking back, saying amen, shouting at me. So you can do that digitally. You can do that by typing, click the hearts, and uh, we're going to have a really good message today. But as I was getting into uh, studying and preparing for what we're getting into today, um, and you'll understand why in a minute. I was reminded of, in my opinion, one of the greatest decades ever, which was the 90s. Anybody, anybody with the 90s? If you weren't in the 90s, you're already arguing with me, but just listen to my argument here. I think I paint a pretty good picture. The 90s gave us the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. We could stop there. Saved by the Bell, anybody? Zach Morris? Friends, Seinfeld. When it came to music, you can't top this. We got Boys and Men. Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, Biggie, Jay-Z came out of that. Nirvana, Red Hot Chili Peppers, come on. Pearl Jam, Dave Matthews Band, anybody. All right. Beepers. Did anybody have a beeper? Does anybody still have a beeper? You shouldn't if you do. The iMac personal computer came out in the 90s. Palm Pilots. Anybody remember the Palm Pilot? It was, it was the phone before it was a phone and you everything, yeah. Uh, car phones, and I'm not talking about the phone that was with you when you were in the car, but a phone that was actually connected to your car. That was in the 90s. And, uh, and that was the 90s. It was also the first time we saw video games coming out with actual, mostly non-pixelated graphics. So the, the 90s was an absolutely incredible decade for many more reasons than that. There was this other trend that happened in the 90s that Uh, If you were a Jesus follower during that time, maybe you remember, maybe even if you weren't, you might still remember this. If you were not a 90s person or for those watching that you weren't even alive in the 90s, which makes me feel old. There was this there was this thing in the Christian community. And I'm going to just say four letters and most of you will understand what it is. WWJD. Does anybody remember that? Does anybody still have a bracelet with that on? That was the thing in the 90s, and WWJD stood for What Would Jesus Do? And it was, it, was, uh, it was a great reminder, you know, you're driving in a car, you're tailgating somebody, what would Jesus do? He'd back off a little bit. You know, maybe he wouldn't get so angry, maybe he wouldn't talk back to his parents, maybe he wouldn't, who, who knows? But it was a great reminder for us during that time, and it became trendy, 
And then it kind of began to lose its emphasis a little bit and became cliche. But, but nonetheless, doesn't matter what background you find yourself in, during the 90s, we could always go back to, man, what would Jesus do? But I think that one of the challenges that we are facing today is even in the Christian community, we have, we have seen a decline in the understanding and the living of a biblical worldview. So even if we were to break those bracelets back out, there might be a bunch of people who could ask that question and not know the answer. What would Jesus do? And so for us, I'm going to kind of flip it a little bit today. I want to adjust one of the letters for us because we don't have to wonder what Jesus would do. In the world where we are now, in the things that we are facing right now, whether it's your own personal life or whether it's politics or whether it's the, the, the racial tensions that we're dealing with, whether it's the tough conversations that we are having and that we are working to have, we don't have to wonder what Jesus would do. So my, my proposal is that we kind of reword that acronym, and instead of WWJD, it should be WDJD, what did Jesus do? That's what we need to get into. That's what we need today. We need to know what Jesus did and the fact that Jesus did it so that we would know what the example would even be when it came to the life that we needed to live, the situations where we would find ourselves and the, and the choices that we would need to make as Jesus followers, and maybe for those who are watching that are not Jesus followers, still understanding what are good and positive, impactful decisions that I can make in my life so that I can have a positive impact on maybe what I see happening around me in the world. So we're going to dive into that in, into this topic today. That's actually the title of our message, What Did Jesus Do? This is part four in our Jesus, I'm sorry, part four in our Joy Anyway series. And so hopefully you're taking notes that what we, that's what we do at Combo Church. We're trying to speak to our Monday through our Saturday, and that's what we want to get into today. And so let me pray for you real quick. I'm going to pray for God just to kind of open up our hearts and open up our minds as we dive into what he is speaking to every single one of us. Jesus, we, we love you. We thank you for the experience you've given us today, Father. Thank you for being so faithful and present as we worship together, as we sing to you, God. We just know that you are here with us. Your word says that where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are right there in their midst, God. So you're with us today. And so, Father, I pray that you would open up our hearts and minds to hear what you're speaking in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody say amen. Type amen in the chat room. Come on, we want to hear from you. Listen, to kind of start things off, I want to kind of grab your attention. We live in a everybody change the world culture, but I want to kind of make a statement that might, it might challenge you a little bit. Listen, you cannot change the world. You alone, by yourself, in your own strength, doing what seems right, you cannot change the world, at least not in your own strength. You can't force people to change. We can't argue people to change. Gandhi said, be the change you hope to see in the world. I've seen that as a heck of a tweet. I've seen it on t-shirts. Be the change you hope to see in the world. But here's the thing. You can't be the change that will bring the right change until you are changed by the one who is the change. Man, if we were in person, that would be a great spot for somebody to shout amen. That's good stuff right there. You can't be the change that will bring the right change until you are changed by the one who is the change. 
Jesus was and he always will be the change that every single one of us need, that every situation in our culture needs today. Come on, a revival of love and righteousness is what's going to change our world. And if we allow the life, the passion, the heart of Christ to live through us, the world can be led to change and transformation. But it has to start with Christ. If we do it on our own efforts trying to change the world, it's not going to work. It's not going to produce what we desire it to produce. But it will happen, change will happen when we allow the Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of Christ, to not just live in us, but to actually live through us in the world around us. That's actually the definition of what it means to be a Jesus follower. We're not just saying that we believe something and we're following a certain religious thought process or ideology. A Jesus follower is someone who has accepted Christ for who he is as God, as our Savior, welcomed his spirit into our life, and then allows his ministry and his life to continue to live through us. So it's not our own efforts and our own thoughts and our own actions trying to make things happen. It's the spirit of God working through us. This is the type of change that our world needs, and it's what we need in our own life as well. When we try to kind of do it on our own and we get caught up in what's happening around us in social media and the news narratives, it can force us to think that change is going to come by simply having the loudest voice. And the loudest voice might get a lot of attention, but it's not necessarily going to bring the change that we hope to see in our culture. Actually, more, more times than not, when we get into that realm, all we do is propagate more negativity against negativity, and that's never going to create something positive. When we reject Christ as our source and solution, we reject the very answer that our world needs. And just because we've received salvation doesn't mean that our mind has been fully saved and fully uh, redeemed yet either. That's why Paul says in Romans 12 too, he says not to copy the behaviors and the customs of our world, but allow God to transform us by what? Changing the way that we think. We got to change the way that we think. And I'm telling you, and this has been my experience and my journey, and I'm still learning. We won't change the way that we think while we're trying to force what we think on everybody around us. If we're not willing to listen, and if we're not willing to be humble, and if we're not willing to learn, then we will miss out on the change that God wants to do inside of us that will bring his change to the world around us. So let me read to you our kind of our primary focus today. Uh, this brings us back where we are to, uh, to Paul's plea to the Philippian church. And what we're going to get into today, his plea is for them to exist and live and pursue unity. Come on, can you say unity? Can you, t can you type unity in the chat room? That's where we're going to be focusing today. So I'm going to read actually from the Passion Translation because it's worded so beautifully. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. It says, look at how much encouragement you found in your relationship with the anointed one. You, you, you are filled to overflowing with his, with his comforting love. You have experienced a deepening friendship with the Holy Spirit and have felt his tender affection and mercy. So I'm asking you, my friends, that you be joined together in perfect unity with one heart, one passion, and united in one love. 
Walk together with one harmonious purpose and you will fill my heart with unbounded joy. Be free from pride-filled opinions for they will only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts. But in authentic humility, put others, this is so powerful, put others first and view others as more important than yourself. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern, wow, for what matters to others instead of your own interests. And consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset be your motivation. Wow. Let the motivation or the mindset of Christ be the motivation for how we live our life. We're actually going to get to that next part here in just a few minutes. But this, what we read right here, this passage of scripture uh, is, is broken up into three primary sections that cry out for unity. It cries out to show us that it's not just something out there that we hope to attain, but that true unity, not just in the church. Come on, he's speaking to the church existing in the world. True unity is possible, but somebody has to lead the way. Jesus went ahead of us. He put his spirit inside of us, and now he calls the church to do and to be what he started. We have an opportunity. So here's what the first section talks about, and you can write this down in your notes you're taking notes, I hope you are. Number one, here's this first section. The fruit of our relationship with Christ. The fruit of our relationship with Christ. This is what's covered in, in, the, in verse one that we read. It says, look at how much encouragement you found in your relationship with the anointed one. You are filled to overflowing with his comforting love. You have experienced a deepening friendship with the Holy Spirit and have felt his tender affection and mercy. In the New Living Translation, that same verse, Paul actually poses these statements as, as rhetorical questions. You know, he's asking them, have you experienced this? Do you have this? And, and it's rhetorical. He's actually just trying to remind the Philippians what they have because of their relationship with Christ. There are clear statements of what happens in us as we continue to pursue. A relationship with God isn't just a decision. Just like any relationship, it's a daily choice to walk with him and to invite him into your life, into your good moments and into your challenging moments. But here are some of the components that come from a relationship with Christ, because it absolutely, if we're going to have unity, if we're going to experience transformation that sees the sin in our world, the racism in our world, the, the division in our world change, then it starts with Christ. But a relationship with Christ gives us encouragement. These are a few things here. A relationship with Christ fills us to overflowing with his comfort. A relationship with Christ allows us to experience deep friendship with his Holy Spirit. And a relationship with Christ opens us to receive God's affection and mercy. Remember, mercy is us not getting what we actually do deserve. We live a life where and I've lived a life where I have not deserved the love of God in my life, but God's mercy says, hey, I know you've done some things that might deserve worse, but I'm actually going to come at you with grace and with love. These are some of the amazing things that we receive from a relationship with Christ. And not everything that we don't have time for everything that that would go into. And none of these things that we get from God are things that you and I deserve. 
We receive these because God loves us unconditionally. Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor. Subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on ConvoChurch.com and follow us on social media at Convo Church. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church Podcast.